I heard one speaker describe it as new believers are kind of like a little puppy who just kind of, they pee all over the place. They're so excited and he's just sharing the gospel everywhere. And maybe you'll have to edit that out. Sorry. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 131 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is a place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in church culture. My name is Jessica Morris. I'm an Australian music journalist, and today we have a very special guest for you. Well, guests, I should say, because I got to speak to the band Sailor. Now, what was unusual about this interview is that I got to do it face-to-face, not through a screen, but in an actual studio in Franklin, Tennessee. See, I was in Nashville last month for the Dove Awards, and while I was there, I had the invitation to travel to Franklin and sit down with Amy, Todd and Alan and chat with them about their 25-year history as a band, their latest two albums, Greatest Hymns 3 and At the Table, a uh, Christmas album, and it was the most beautiful time. If you haven't caught up on who Sailor is, they came into existence in 1997. They were a trio, Alan, Todd and his sister Nicole, and basically I wouldn't say they revolutionised the hymn, but they really brought back the goodness and the quality and the integrity of hymns to modern Christian contemporary worship music, right? So their first album, which was done on like a tiny budget, won them a Dove Award. And ever since this trio, which now includes Amy once Nicole left, have been producing beautiful, musically incredible tracks and albums for so many years. So the fact that I was able to catch up with them on their 25th anniversary, uh, when all three members were in the same room, they live in different areas, different states, was incredibly cool. And it basically turned into a conversation where I asked one question. And they just, they spoke and spoke and shared stories like you would with a friend. And I came away feeling like I had found friends. So I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to let you guys enjoy this interview with Sailor. Um, But before we get started for new friends, you're about to hear the who, what, when, where, why of the band Sailor, how they got their beginnings, where they are now. Look, I try to keep these short, but when you're a band that has a career as iconic and as long as Sailor... It goes a little bit over time, so just enjoy this moment. Then we're going to go straight into the interview and you will hear some of their new tracks along the way. My friends, meet Sailor. In a world where we are all waiting for the next fresh-sounding song, the band Sailor have done something extraordinary over their career. They have both modernised and brought tribute to classic hymns, articulating the core truths of the Christian faith and bringing them to multiple generations. With more than half a billion streams and over 4 million albums sold, in addition, earning 11 GMA Dove Awards, Sailor have actually just released their album, Greatest Hymns Volume 3, marking 25 years as a band. Today, Sailor, as we know, is made of Todd Smith, Amy Perry and Alan Hall, and their voices and harmonies have rung across global stages and had them appear on TBN, The Hour of Power and The 700 Club. But to get a better picture of the history and legacy of this group, we need to rewind the clock all the way back to 1997. Now at the time, Todd and his sister Nicole had begun collaborating with good friend Alan Hall. 
Their performances of classic hymns struck a chord with audiences at their music school that were soon signed by Curb Records. With a very small budget, they recorded and had their first album produced. Titled Be Still My Soul, it was released in 1999. This unknown band reached number 24 on the Christian Billboard charts, and the album was celebrated for its combination of genres, as Todd and Nicole brought together elements of their upbringing in sub-Saharan Africa as missionary kids, and all of this came into the recording. It's fair to say that this album was a success, and the Christian music industry quickly took notice. Sailor were here to stay. In the year 2000, they took home a Dove Award for Inspirational Album of the Year and their follow-up Press On followed and picked up two Dove Awards in 2002. This was another one for Inspirational Album of the Year and Traditional Recorded Song of the Year. It seemed like the trio had a lock on the modern hymn niche of Christian music. They would travel to churches around the world performing and ministering to congregations. So it's no surprise that over the next two years, two albums followed, Rose of Bethlehem and Hiding Place. The latter, which was certified gold, and won another gong for inspirational album of the year at the Doves. This album peaked at 61 on the US Billboard 200 charts. Now through this, Sailor became known for their renditions of songs like You Raise Me Up, which reached number one on the Christian AC charts. But 2004 also brought great change for this group. See, after the release of two solo albums, Nicole stepped back from Sailor and made room for a new member. Now around the same time, Todd also recorded his own album titled Live. Prior to Nicole's transition out of the band, Sailor had recorded their greatest hymns record, and in 2005 this reached number three on the Christian charts. But meanwhile, the band was on the hunt for a new female vocalist, and Alan and Todd auditioned many vocalists to see who could fill Nicole's shoes. Now before Amy joined in 2006, they had multiple singers perform with the group, and their album Bless the Broken Road, a duet's album, actually showcased this. Now once Amy joined, Alan began singing vocals with the group too after years of playing as an accompanist, and all of a sudden, Sailor had three vocalists. 2007 marked the group's first collection. Called Timeless, it paid homage to the band's beginnings while ushering in a new era. And with 17 Dove Award nominations and five wins at this point of their career, there was a lot of ground to cover, which is why their next album, You Deliver Me, was so pivotal to the trio. With two new vocalists, they showed that Sailor still had the same spirits and vocal capabilities that they had started with in 1997. All three of singles from this album reached the top 50 on the Christian charts. Well, the album itself picked at number four on the Christian charts and number 66 on the Billboard 200. That is huge. Now, by 2011, this trio were practically family and it showed. Their album Hope of the Broken World peaked at number four on the Christian charts and their single of the same name reached number 12 on the Christian AC charts. Again, they picked up Dove Awards, one for Inspirational Recorded Song of the Year and Inspirational Album of the Year. If you're counting, that's four doves for Inspirational Album of the Year in just over a decade. That is mind-boggling. Now, 2014 saw a lot of changes in the world, and for Sailor, it brought along changes in the band's personal lives and their families. Yet the trio continued to record, and the album, You Amaze Us, reached number three on the Christian charts. The single of the same name reached the top 30 on multiple Christian airplay charts. And again, they picked up two Dove nominations for this effort. But then there was a little bit of silence. And I use the phrase a little bit, well, a little bit, because technically in this time, Alan and Amy recorded their own solo work, giving them the capability to celebrate in their own unique talents. 2016 saw the release of their second collection of previously recorded songs called What Else Greatest Hymns 2, and this hit number eight on the Christian charts.
In this time, all three members of Sailor had established their own lives and careers separate to the bands. But in 2017, they gave fans what they had long been waiting for, a new record of original songs. And after releasing the single I Got Saved, they blew the public away with the album Unbreakable. The album hit number five on the Christian charts, proving that their popularity was still as strong as ever. Another greatest hits album followed before the release of their album Firm Foundation in 2019. This time, they were signed with Integrity Music. And this came out just before the pandemic. Come 2020, there was a huge amount of change in the world. One of the positive changes was that Sailor started their own label, 3 Creative. And that is the label that they released their next album, Step Into My Story, on. It came out in June 2020. And touring for this album resumed once life started getting back to a slightly more normal rhythm. Now in 2022, the band took an innovative and unifying approach to their music. Sailor released the EP One Name earlier this year, and it features six songs from around the globe. Sung in English, it includes tracks like One Name and God of Ages, and this EP actually earned them a Dove nomination. But Sailor weren't finished yet, because as they approach the end of the year, they've released two more records, both of original songs. Not only have they recorded Greatest Hits Volume 3, all hymns that they have never recorded before, but they have actually recorded their first Christmas album in 20 years. Titled At This Table, the title track is actually named after the song written by Idina Menzel and our friend Jonas Myron. While life looks very different for Sailor than it did in 1997, their friendship, their passion for making great music and their love for Jesus and his people has only grown. I had the opportunity to sit down with Todd, Amy and Alan in Franklin, Tennessee, just after the Dove Awards, and we chatted about their 25 year career, hymns, and of course, Christmas. My friends, meet Todd, Alan and Amy. This is Sailor. Everyone, I am here today with a band, Sailor. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, Sailor. As an Australian. I like Sailor. I like Sailor. I like Sailor. Sailor. Okay, Sailor. Uh -huh. I can do this. I'm doing this as an Australian. I'm going to blame it on that. So I am here with Todd, Alan and Amy. It is delightful to be here. Could you introduce yourselves for everyone listening? Yeah, great to be with you, Jess. This is Todd Smith. And if you see a, a picture of us, I'm the bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Amy Perry, and if you see a picture of us, I'm the girl. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Alan Hall. Nice to meet everybody. So lovely to meet you guys today, and lovely to catch up with you on the red carpet last night. Yeah, yes. Was fun. How many Dove Awards have you been to now? Mm, let's see. Well, this is our 25th year as a group, but the first Dove Awards was probably, what, 99? Yeah, early 2000. 2000. 2000. Mm -hmm. So there'd be, uh, I guess... Almost everyone since the yeah. year. Would that be 20? Maybe there's three or four years? we've missed, yeah, but basically maybe. all Probably of Probably close to 20 if we haven't done 20. That's well, you know what? We did go in, 19, in 1999 because that was when Whitney Houston performed. Oh, that's right. They yeah. had Whitney Houston at the yeah. Dublin. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. She to go to The Rock. It was for the preacher. The movie her preacher's, yeah. wife. The preacher's yeah. wife. That was up for Dove. I need Dove. to brush up on my Christian music history oh, here. Oh, listen, that was, it was at the big arena downtown. And I mean, the whole place, everybody's like, Whitney Houston's here. Whitney Houston's here. Whitney Houston's here. It was amazing. Christians get starstruck. Yes. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, and that was, she was Whitney a Houston. Superstar, so <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. That was Whitney yeah. Houston. Like Whitney. It was like the year Dolly was there too. Like yep. Whitney and Dolly. Both, I love you that. Know. That's so good. Um, so people know Seller the band for 25 years, but I would like to know in your own words, 25 years mm. in, and you can answer this separately. One of you can. I'm going to leave it up to you. Who is Seller? Hmm. That's a good. Good question. 
You know, we started when we um, we didn't know we were going to be a group at all. Uh, I, I think what I love about our I always call our first album. Our first album is called Be Still My Soul. And we recorded it in two weeks on a total shoestring budget. Very, very little money. What had happened, uh, you know, I met Todd at college at Belmont. I, I'm, I'm from East Tennessee. In fact, I'm one county over from Dolly Parton where I was born. I'm right outside of Knoxville. So I'd moved to Nashville at age 18 to go to Belmont College. No one in my family did music. So it was wonderful to end up in a city where music was normal to do. You weren't looked at as a little kind of weird kid or anything, you know. Everybody was talking music and doing music, and I loved being in that environment. Todd came a few years later to Belmont, and we worked a little bit at school together, you know, like on showcases. He'd be in showcases, or we would do sessions together. And I knew him as a singer. I didn't know he played piano for probably like the first year or two. And then around, always around exam time and stuff, you know, just with, you know, getting nervous about exams and just to blow off stress. I, I called him up uh, one you know and I said hey can we just go to the uh, piano room one of the piano rooms and just sing some hymns and so he was very gracious he's like sure you know and we did and uh and I mean really that was kind of, I mean it was a great bonding time but also too I was like it's like man this guy's voice I mean it just you know it just it was fantastic but it just soothed you too so we just we we would do hymns and then um, I was playing at a church in Nashville, and the the music minister was going to be gone one Sunday morning. So he said, do you have anybody that could come and just, he said, we're not doing choir. He said, he won't have to direct the choir or anything like that. He said, do you have someone that just has, you know, good big voice that could stand up in front of us and sing, in front of the congregation and sing? I was like, I've got just the guy. And so he came and, and led and... And the people loved him. I knew they would. And then they wanted us to do a concert. And we only had, what, about two weeks to put it together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you're, you know, we were, we were young and dumb. They're like, can you do a concert in two Sunday nights? And we we're like, sure. You know, <laughs> we'll brush off on yeah, we're like, absolutely. And so uh, so we we're getting into it. And then Todd was like, man, I don't. He said, this is a lot of work. He said, I don't know if I can do this alone. So he roped his sister, Nicole, in. Nicole is our first uh, female member, original female member, Todd's sister. And so we just still didn't have time to put together, you know, like a band or write any original songs or anything like that. So we all had a background in hymns. You know, they growing and I'm sure Todd will talk more about it, but growing up as a missionary family in Congo, but hymns were a big part of their life. I learned to play the piano of a hymnal. And so we had that connection. And so we just put together a program of hymns that we loved, you know, and that touched our hearts. We thought, well, hopefully the, the audience will feel the emotion in these from us. And it'll touch them. And it did. And so people were like, can you come and do a concert here? Can you do a concert here? Can you do a concert here? And so it kind of snowballed that way. And we ended up going up to, was it Indiana, right? Mm -hmm. Was that like our third or fourth, maybe? It was our third concert. It was a youth group. Yes. We were doing a youth group in Indiana. So we went up there. And on the way up, (laughs) I was thinking... He's like, we are going to get just killed. He was like, why on earth did we agree to sing hymns for teenagers? You know, we're like, we are just, and both, we're like, oh, this is going to be like rough. And I tell you what, they were with us the whole time. And again, it was piano vocal. In fact, we sang His Eyes on the Sparrow that night. When we finished, it was dead quiet. They leapt to their feet and they wouldn't stop yelling until we sang it. They made us sing it again, right in a row form. They stood up and they were like, sing it again, sing it again, please sing it again. And so we sang it again for him. And then, and then afterwards, even there was a, a young boy came up to me. He was probably 15, 16. And he was like, man, he goes, that It Is Well With My Soul song. He's like, that's pretty awesome. I was like, yeah. He goes, he goes, do you guys write that? <laughs> and he, they didn't know. 
you know, and I kind of snickered, but I was like, hey, I said, no, and I pulled a hymnal out, and I was like, hey, it's in this book. I was like, there's beautiful songs in this book. There's truth in this book, you know? I said, there's depth and richness in here. And I was like, I mean, dive in, you'll love these songs. But And it, 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 it was funny, but it also kind of broke my heart that there was a generation coming up that didn't know the beauty and the truth in these songs. And so one thing for me that's been so important this 25 years if we've had any small part, because a lot of churches don't even sing hymns anymore, like at all. It's like, I don't know how it happened, but somehow the hymns just became this thing you don't touch anymore. Yeah, old-fashioned. Yeah, and it's broken my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, if we've had any small part in preserving these and passing them on down to a younger generation, to me that's a huge, huge thing i think a task that god laid on us and i'm glad that we've continued to do that and i love it when parents come up to us and they'll say the only way my children know now you know and because it touches all generations a lot of parents will come to us and they say the only way my children hear hymns now is when i play your music for them in the car they're like and i they're like i used to sing these but we don't sing them anymore and i love that my children can hear them now and then i love it too the older folks, you know, people in their 70s and 80s, after a concert, they'll come to us and like well, if, if we do His Eyes on the Sparrow or something, and they'll say, they'll say, my mother used to sing that to me when I was a child. Or they say, I grew up hearing that. And they'll be like, I haven't heard it in years. And they're like, you bring back such sweet memories for me. So to touch the spectrum like that with these songs, which these songs can do, means the world to me. And if we've had a hand in it, you know, that means so much. And then, and Todd, you take over and it, but like your mom was at the, at that concert. Yeah. So this yeah. is how we kind of moving on into actually how it happened, you know. So just a little background that will feed into this story is I've got two sets of grandparents, mm-hmm. one who great, hardworking people, but didn't really believe in God. And then others that uh, one who was a, a dentist gets saved after his first wife dies of cancer. And she on her deathbed said, Laban, I found Jesus. He's who you need to find. He's who we've been looking for. And goes uh, to his dental office very successful um but there was this lady preacher in detroit and the women who worked at his office wrote her called her and said hey would you come and share the gospel and uh he's just super depressed and 
her name of all things was Flossie. And so she comes in to get her teeth clean. But she really came in to get uh, to share the gospel. And so she shared and she shared about the chapel she ran. And he was really intrigued. So he went and she shared the gospel and he accepted Christ. And then it just became the greatest thing he'd ever heard. Just the greatest thing he ever heard. Well, she writes to her sister um, in Pennsylvania. She's in Detroit. She writes to her and she's like, hey, I'd love you to come and lead worship. And my grandma was had a beautiful voice. And um, she actually would sing The Love of God, which is one of the hymns that we recorded on our Greatest Hymns 3 project. And it was actually the most requested. So it was very special. I, I think that's the one she sang the first time they met each other. But she said, uh, he, uh, Flossie wrote to Marcella, all these incredible names. And she's like, hey, would you come lead worship? And by the way, there's this young doctor here. I think he'd be perfect for you. And my grandma, uh, her father was very abusive. He was an alcoholic, um, uh, just, you know, very abusive to her mother. And so she was one of 14 kids, had no desire to be married. And but she, she wrote back and she said, I prayed about it. I'm supposed to come up. As far as that doctor goes, if he's so good, you marry him yourself. So <laughs> I love she her. moves up, she sings. And the first time she sings, he's like, I'm going to marry her. And so like a month later, they're, they start dating pretty imme- immediately, according, I guess, back then. And then two months later, they get married. And then he's this new Christian. And I heard one speaker describe it as new believers are kind of like a little puppy who just kind of, they pee all over the place. They're so excited. And he's just sharing the gospel everywhere. And maybe you'll have to edit that out. Sorry. But no, he, because every single one of us relates to that. Yeah. And he was, he was an oral surgeon. So he had a captive audience and he would just share with whoever was in his in seat. You know, You're going to accept Jesus. And um, he, he would come home and, and there was a lot of stuff happening in Congo. For some reason, there was just a lot of a lot of missionaries were moving there and Stanley and just different people. And so he just felt this calling to go to Africa. Well, grandma had been saved since she was four. And, you know, when you're a Christian, the lingo when you don't want to do something is let's pray about it. And so he, he was like, he was like, I think God's calling us to go to Africa. And she's like, you know, you're a new Christian. You're excited. Let's think on it. Get, let's give it a couple months. A couple months later, he's like, we need to go. I, I really feel like God's calling us. And supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but he had 10,000 patients on his Rolodex over the years that he'd built up. And when he sold his practice, um, and, and two months later, he said, I, I still feel God calling. And so she got, she was like, okay, let's get accepted to a mission board because that's what you did. And so she wrote the letter, put it in the mailbox, and she literally prayed, God, I've done my part. I've been faithful. Now you do yours and make sure this never gets there. Because <laughs> she did not want to go. Well, like they, oh, she was, oh, she <laughs> Very was honest. a pistol. Very honest. She was a pistol. So they get accepted. And when he sold his practice, he said, I've, I've, um, I've had 10,000 patients. Would you give us 10,000 souls? And so they move out. They start three mission stations. And over a 15-year period, uh, see 10,000 people uh, come to faith. Steal the water Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea Take a look at yourself and you will look at others differently By putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee 
Look, I want to tremble. Tremble! When I read about the power where a carpenter cleared the temple. Should be. Are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tee. And I love a good nostalgic band tee, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com, and hit the shop button. So I have that kind of legacy on that side, a legacy I'm very proud of, incredible people who did incredible things. But I think in some ways, too, for me, it was like, if you're going to do anything that matters for God, it has to be big instead of just the day in and day out faithfulness is what he's called you to. And yes, you can accomplish things or you can make records and you can you know sell out concerts and you can have radio hits and you can have all that, but it's the being faithful you know, in your relationships with your wife and your kids and your friends, those are the things and being faithful to me and, you know, walking through the next thing. So all that to say, there was that side. Then I had my grandparents who was I kind of embarrassed of because they weren't the believers. They were good, hardworking people. They both worked in uh, the automotive industry and uh, just incredible people. But even my, my grandpa, when my parents eventually moved out to Africa, my grandpa, on my mom's side, um, he thought my dad had rocks in his head. You know, he's like, why are you going? And, and now thinking about it, I used to judge him so much, but I was like, if I was a dad and I didn't believe in this faith and suddenly my son-in-law is taking my daughter to Africa 
I would be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why get a steady job, work here, you know, just couldn't put myself in, in his spot. So years later, um, my grandma came to faith and um, she came to faith actually earlier on. But right before grandpa died, he, he started to lose um, his mind, his, his faculties. And he was in an assisted living place. And one day my dad woke up and my dad always loved him, like never held any bitterness towards him, like always loved my, my mom's dad. But she, uh, they woke up one day and, and my dad said, today's the day, today's the day, dad, dad's going to accept Jesus. And so they went and they shared the gospel and he was in his right mind and he accepted Christ. And I think two months later he passed away and left my mom some inheritance. And so, um, you know, the, sorry, okay. the one who I was embarrassed of, he was the one who provided to pay for our first album. And so that's that's his legacy and what, what we've been able to do. And it was his daughter who said, you know, when she came to that third concert we did, she said, you've done something. There's something really special here that God's doing. You guys need to make an album of this music. And uh, so I was like, Mom, we don't have money. And she's like, you know, well, Grandpa just passed. And so I'll pay for this. You know, we'll take care of this. And so we uh, went into the studio uh, Alan's roommate was just starting to engineer and was um, interning, and he was doing this new system called Pro Tools that no one had ever heard of. And <laughs> this was late nineties, so late nineties, nineteen ninety-seven. And so, uh, but Grandpa funded that that very first project that went on to win a Dove Award that started us doing what we're doing now. And he was, you know, so so to me, it's like, man, God, you're you're just so good. Yes, I have Grandpa Smith and Grandma Smith who went overseas and did these incredible things and led 10,000 people to Jesus. And I have this grandma and grandpa who were just your ordinary everyday people who were just faithful. They loved their kids. They loved each other. They came to faith and because of their hard work, we're able to do what we do now. And, and, and so there's that legacy, that side of it. So um, anyways, we did that concert, recorded uh, the album in two weeks. And because we had no money, we, we paid Jason, what, $10 an hour, $20 an hour. I think the studio was like 30 an hour. The whole and thing was what, about 2000 About $2,000. And this is in the late 90s. This is when a normal album budget, and eventually like you would uh, easily, a normal regular album budget would be anywhere from $100,000 to $150,000. Mm-hmm. And like, bigger stars would work anywhere from like two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. So we did our first album for two thousand. A miracle. Yeah, and we'd go in at the odd hours. Yes. Like it would be eleven <laughs> o'clock at night yep. after all the country artists had come through. Yeah, we'd through. have to go around all the, the big A clients, you know.
but yeah. we recorded that project and my sister Nicole was signed with Curb Records. And again, I was moving back up to Detroit to go to Bible school. Alan was going to pursue country music and studio sessions. Nicole had signed a deal with Curb Records, and so she was going to do a pop deal. But she had to turn the project in. Mike uh, Curb, who owns the label, was kind enough to say, hey, you can go ahead and do this project with your your brother and your friend. And uh, then we recorded it. She had to turn it in. And Mike is, he's one of those executives who still is very much about the music, even to this day. He, it's not a formula of, you know, how do we get this person and try and do this and do that and stuff like that. He, if he feels it, he will sign it. And so he heard the music and called Nicole the next night or next day and said, Hey, I want you to do your pop stuff, but there's something here with Alan and Todd. I want to sign you guys as, as a, a, a group. And in 20 years that we were with Curb, he never interfered, never never told us, hey, you're singing too much about Jesus. In fact, he told me one time, he said, I felt like your um, music was my way to do ministry, like do Mm. ministry through you um, and to encourage people. And um, even the label, like uh, uh, Brian Stewart, who was our A&R guy, he brought us, you raise me up and all these great songs never came to us and said, hey, you've got to do this song or this song he's like hey what do you think of these songs and he always brought great songs so we would do those but for the most part oh yeah we always had carte blanche uh with them so and that's and they're a secular label and there was never any kind of forcing to hey that's too much jesus or that's no and they would put us on you like uh like it used to be called now it's a big it's called cma fest here in nashville but at the time it's called fanfare and it was massive well it still is big but People would come from all over the world for Country Music Week, and they would put us on their. Sh- they put us on their show, like a, the showcase for Curb. Like we were between at the time, I think it was Leanne Rhymes and Sawyer Brown. Like wow. Curb didn't make a distinction. It wasn't like, well, these are our little Christian acts. We're going to hide them away. They put us totally straight in the lineup with the country artists, and never once, like to Todd's point, never once was it like, hey guys. I, like we did a House of Blues we sang, show. Well, we sang at the at that country yeah, music. We, fest. Sang, we sang "It Is Well with My Soul." And the blood will never and lose. The blood will never lose its power. And we by told Curb when they asked us. They said, "We want you on the roster." We we're like, "Well, we're going to do what we do." <laughs> You know, we weren't going to change anything. And they're like, that's fine. They're like, do it. And uh, it was great, too, because there was this guy I remember, and he had two girls, arms around both of them and beers in both hands. And we're singing The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. And he's just singing along with us, you know? Yeah. And it was, yeah. yeah, it was, no, it was, but it, that they kind never, of thing. They never told us, that, that, like Todd said, they were never like, hey, you know, this is a secular venue. Don't do the Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I loved that from a secular label. I mean, they were, you know, absolutely freehand with us support they're like do what you do because that's why we signed you and we want you to do what you do and i love that because sometimes we would get from some other artists at the time and here and there we'd be like and curb was just making a space in the christian music industry for themselves so here they are this big secular label and you would hear once in a while at functions or whatever just some snide like people would be like so what's it like on a, a secular label and i'd be like well they have a ton of money i said so we have good budgets I was like, they also have never interfered creatively with us. I said, and they want us when they put us on secular things. They never, ever tell us to not sing about Jesus. I said, they want us to. I said, so it's pretty great, actually. Yeah, that is incredible. That was a very long answer to one question. Who is Selah? (laughs) Oh, no, okay. Let me give you a 15-minute answer and cry, and you can be my therapist. Here's the 30 second sound boy. You, you just heard their hearts. And that's 
who Sela is. I'm came in eight years after they started, and but I I sometimes feel like I refer to them as them and not us because they are who they are now, like they were then, and they're men who and me who are so passionate about people mm-hmm. and passionate about Jesus and passionate about music, and so anytime we open our mouths to sing. We just want people to feel our hearts mm-hmm. for worship and and that we love people. And so, you know, the long answer is beautiful because it. it gives you all the backstory and their hearts are still the same today as they were when they started singing those hymns for those teenagers. That made me cry, Alan. Mm-hmm. I've heard you tell that story a hundred times and today it made me cry thinking mm-hmm. of those kids hearing his eyes on the sparrow for the first time. And realizing in that moment that he cares about them so much so that you had to sing it again for them so that they Mm -hmm. could engage again in that, those lyrics. Like that's just, that's who Sayla is. Amazing. It's so clear that you guys have been so faithful in your anointing and what's been given to you. I'm going to say thank you for that. Thank you Mm -hmm. for being faithful um, and for loving people so well with what you do. quickly tell me about your greatest hymns three project which has just come out yeah so it's interesting the greatest hymns one and two are a compilation of Mm -hmm. hymns we've already done on a whole bunch of different other records all collected together so we called this greatest hymns three but it's actually is it 10 or 11 10 13 13 oh Oh, yeah sorry (laughs) 13 new songs so newly recorded and what's really amazing is um it taught, it's our 20th and 25th anniversary of being a group. And so Alan thought, gosh, for our 25th anniversary, let's go back to our roots. Be still my soul. He already told mm-hmm. you was such Love a um, bare bones, just acoustic kind of piano, vocal, beautiful hymns. And so he wanted to give that to the fans this 25th anniversary. And so what's awesome is they went on social media and said, what songs do you want to hear us do? And so most of the songs on this album, they picked our fans, people who love our music and love yeah, what us. What was picked. it like a thousand entries? Oh my gosh. Like like texted and said, hey, we went on Facebook today and asked, you know, our fans what they want us to record. So just jump on there and like, all the comments and engage and I jumped on it was like 985 comments I'm like I can't engage that's too many um, you gotta warn me when you're gonna go on Facebook and say this well, and I, don't I don't even think, think I knew that when I said it to you overwhelmed we had no idea how much the fan like they just want more hymns more hymns more hymns and um, that's a beautiful thing after 25 years that, yeah. that they still want yeah. more hymns so it's a beautiful yeah. project um, I'm really just proud of it. Now, you've also released a At This Table Christmas mm-hmm. Project. Yes. Original songs, I believe. 
a, a good a number. Lot of some of them, yeah. yeah. A lot of them. I started listening to it. It's gorgeous. Thank what you. is your favourite Christmas memory? Oh. Wow. One, uh, one that sticks out to me. So when we were in, when we moved to Congo, after it was Zaire back when I was there, but after three days, I was done. I was like, it's hot and there's no chocolate and I don't have my toys. And so I was like, mom, you said we could go back home. She's like, no, honey, three years. I was like, yeah, three days. No, no, baby, three years. I was five. I didn't understand. So we get to our mission station. It was the third mission station my grandparents started. And uh, we had shipped everything in barrels. And for some reason, they came to the port, but we didn't have the bill of laden. It was a permission slip to get our stuff. So for like four months, four or five months, maybe maybe longer than that, everything sat. So Christmas time comes, all the presents my mom had packed and planned for three years weren't there. So we didn't have, she, she had packed a fake Christmas tree and we didn't have any of that. So we literally got a Quaker Oats bucket <laughs> yes, and we filled it with sand and we got palm trees. Uh, leaves or branches and we put them in somehow we have popcorn I don't know how we have popcorn <laughs> but we lace popcorn it was the most pathetic looking Christmas tree you've ever seen and all we could do was draw pictures you know like of our hands you know and and we gave that to each other and for some reason I've always remembered that one that was always very special and then the next year we got to celebrate three Christmases <laughs> like <laughs> mom and dad made up for because we had ours and then we went to the capital city mm-hmm. and we're with some friends and then there was this older couple who was always just loved my parents loved our family and so they had extra gifts there too but that very first one where we had nothing was just really really special you know when we recorded our christmas record uh amy was she lives in texas we live in nashville and she's got so much going on she has a foster child that she's taking care of and so Mm -hmm. she literally told us you guys pick the songs and I'll come and record them. And so we picked them. We picked most of them, pretty much all of them. And they were like, hey, we've got all the selections. And she was like, whoa, 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 wait, you got everything? She's like, I've got this one song I want to do. And she's like, it's by Adina Menzel. And it's called At This Table. And she played it and immediately was like, oh. oh and yeah. she always has good choices. Like anytime mm-hmm. she brings a song. But what struck me about it is I think all of us can relate. You know, uh, thanks, so Thanksgiving in America is a, is a big uh, celebration, a big um, – it actually really started to get celebrated during the Civil War. When we were fighting with each other, uh, Abraham Lincoln just recognized that God was the only one who could really heal the land. And so it was supposed to be like a time of fasting and then coming together to celebrate and pray. And obviously they were looking at the pilgrims and things like that, but it was really about we've, this country is in just, it's being destroyed Mm -hmm. and families are being separated. And so uh, with this song, you know, Thanksgiving up to Christmas, it's kind of like a one month holiday type thing, but it can also be really stressful because if you don't get along with your family, it can be very awkward. Mm -hmm. And if you're estranged from, you know, family members, or maybe you're both sides of the aisle as far as politics goes or whatever, that table time can be incredibly stressful. And so this song to me was like, this is a perfect segue going from Thanksgiving into Christmas and saying everyone is welcome. Can you share your, the story just about your mom real quick? Yeah. I mean, when I first heard the song, I was like in a Starbucks at Christmas time and I was like, what is this? I know it's Adina Menzel. And I just stood there and cried and listened to this song and these words. Um, come as you are, you know, at this table, there is no judgment, only mercy. And, um, everyone is welcome. And I just, it really 
just reminded me of my mom and my family because um, I think when you're younger, you don't appreciate your parents. Your parents, you really don't when you're a teenager and <laughs> when you're in your 20s and they want to tell you how to live your life. Um, and you're like, no, I'm going to make my own way. Um, and now in my 40s that I have a child of my own and now we have a foster child, I can really appreciate um, just how much she loves us and how much she did for us and what she's willing to do for us. I mean, I was like calling her in tears, like you got to come right now and help take care of the kids. And she's like, I'm on a plane here. I'm coming. And, um, my whole life, no matter where we were spiritually, no matter what we were doing, she always made sure that we knew that we were welcome in her home and we were welcome back. Um, I mean, I had one of my brothers, you know, he turned 18, he, he took off and we didn't see him for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she always, um, you know, when, when one of us talked to him, let him know he can come home and um, to, to just have that legacy in our home of no matter where you are, no matter how broken you are, no matter how far you've run, um, you're always welcome here and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I mean, like even right now I have six brothers and sisters, there's seven of us and not all of us have the same spiritual beliefs. Not all of us have the same political beliefs. I mean, mm-hmm. whoo, 2020 Thanksgiving was interesting. Um, but you know, just, was it 2020 or was yeah. it 2016? I don't remember. Whatever. Both you know the She's Thanksgiving. Bars. Right. <laughs> all of them. And, um, but gosh, to, to just that, to know that no matter what is going on in our lives, we are welcome at her table because she loves us so much, no matter, you know, what we're doing. And, and so I just, I try to parent that way. I'm trying to, to, you know, let my other family members know, you know, it's okay that we don't see eye to eye. I mean, I've had conversations where I've had to ask for forgiveness for my brother because when he chose to live a different way, I didn't treat him so well. And that was 15, 20 years ago. And to, you know, years and years later, sit down and look him in the eye and say, I'm sorry I didn't show you grace. I'm sorry I didn't love you well. Like, that's important conversation that we as Christians need to be having, uh, mm-hmm. especially with our families. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we have so much more grace. You were saying before we talked about the podcast, you used to have so much grace for non-Christians, right? <laughs> like we, I think for our family, we have so much, um, yeah. we need a balance of grace and truth. And with our families, it's all truth and no grace. That's and then with strangers, getting. it'll be all grace and that's no right. truth. Yeah. Right. We need to find that balance where our loved ones know who to call. Yes. When times get tough and our mm-hmm. family knows that even if they voted for the opposite person, yeah. um, that they could still come break bread with us and we're going to have a wonderful time. And um, I can honestly say that this time in our family, I think we are all the closest. Um, but there's still some siblings that aren't really in communication. And that breaks my heart. And when I heard this song, it just all of that, you know, came mm-hmm. flooding in that I just want to be the person known Um that I welcome everyone at my table. And isn't that how Jesus is with us? We are all welcome. At this table, everyone is welcome. Hey, you can say whatever 
that recording captured some of the energy in the room. I loved that the three of them were willing to be so open and vulnerable with me. They, I think, enjoyed sharing parts of their story that they haven't been able to share in so long. I mean, they have had such a huge career, um, all three of them. And so to hear some of their like origin stories, for lack of a better term, was really cool and also a huge honour. Um, so I want to say a huge thank you to the bands, to their manager, um, also to our friend Brian at Turning Point Media Relations and the crew at We Rock Studio. No, no one has sponsored this post. None of them have. But I just want to say thank you for setting this up, for giving me the opportunity to start the day fresh with this band um, and to he hear more about your hearts for people, for God, for music. It was such a joy um, and a real highlight of my time in the US. So thank you. Friends, you can connect with Sailor right now. Please do let them know that you say hi, what you thought of the interview, that you love their music. Go and check it out for the first time if you're late to the party. They are at Sailor Online. That is S-E-L-A-H Online. That is on Instagram. And you will find them on the web at SailorOnline.com. While you are there, please make sure that you go and stream or download, if you still do that, their latest albums, Greatest Hymns, Volume 3, is out right now. And as we get into December, so is their album at this table. Please, please check it out. They are just stunning. And this is just what you need for this Christmas season if you're looking for a little bit of hope, which you know I'm always on the search for. I officially spoke to Sailor twice while I was in Nashville. Once on the Duff Awards red carpet, that was our first time meeting, uh, and Amy asked for an invitation to Australia. Obviously, she's always welcome. All of them are. Uh, but the other time was face-to-face -face at the studios the next day. However, what was really cool was actually that same night, Integrity Music were hosting a live recording for their Revere Music Collective. This is a collective of singers, songwriters, worship leaders from all across the globe. They really want to bring back the reverence of God to their music. Dwan Hill, Leland, Mitch Wong, so many people were there. And I don't like the word performing, but people would sort of jump up, lead a song and then swap out. And they had a whole bunch of what seemed like random people in this little studio to be like the congregation. Um, and it was my first live album recording. So I was like, this is interesting. But what struck me was how many familiar faces there were at the actual recording. Now, anyone who lives in Nashville or has been to Nashville will be like, duh, like there's 
musicians everywhere in Nashville and everyone knows everyone in this industry. I get that. But for someone who was traveling from Australia to Nashville, to skip into the area where like Integrity Music was recording this and to sort of recognize a few faces along the way, like I saw a member of Citizens, I saw Todd, um, I saw Sarah Kroger, just random random people it seemed from the Integrity Music label, family or affiliated or friends, just joining in and worshipping. They weren't featured artists, they were just there. And it was so beautiful to see people just turning up and just loving singing for Jesus, to see the staff and the interns just loving to sing to, sing to Jesus. Um, it was unexpected because you don't know how those experiences are going to look like. You never know what faith looks like practically for different people, how people worship in different ways. But that Revere experience was very cool. And seeing Todd there just like on, while he was in Nashville before he goes home to his family, worshipping, singing these new songs that we were all literally just learning was really cool and really, for me, drove home the normality of every person. Whether you've had a 25-year career in the music industry or you're a publicist or you work at a shop down the street or you're a journalist or you come from, I don't know, Australia, (laughs) choose a country, any country, humanity we put each other on levels in our minds and we have numbers that measure success and fame and glory and victory. But when it comes to people, we're all made in the image of God, which means we are all equal. I enjoyed in that event that reminder, like that visceral reminder, we are all equal here. We are all equal. It doesn't matter what you've won or haven't won or if your name is in light or if you've received the accolade that you very likely deserve you and your presence is just as valuable and important in the sight of God as whatever person on a red carpet. And that was a much needed reminder and something I'm really grateful for post the Dove Awards experience, which was great, but also bizarre, right? And that's my reflection on my Nashville time and sale of the band. Thanks guys. Friends, that's all I have for you this week. We do have another episode coming up for you very soon, so stay tuned. In the meantime, have you connected with us on social media? Because I would love to connect with you on there. We are on Instagram at Between You Me Pod. Apparently, Twitter is still in existence, but we are not active on there, so don't even bother. No offense, just it was destroying my soul. That's not you, it's just me. But you can find us online at Between You and Me Pod.com. Now, to simplify that whole process for you, you can actually find all those links in our show notes, along with connections to Taylor's latest albums and their website. As we ramp up for Christmas, we are going to close out today with a very special Christmas carol by our friend, Ross King. This is his song, Bethlehem, it's a 2022 version. Fun fact, Ross actually released a Christmas album way back in 2010. The cover shot is gold. I mean, that, that era, the, the thousands, man, they were just such a gift in retrospect. Friends, I will see you next week for another episode. My name is Jessica Morris. Until then, enjoy this Christmas carol and here's to hope. I got a heart like Bethlehem on a silent night. There's no room at the end for you to come inside. And I'm way too busy now and it's much too late. 
you'd been here earlier, maybe I could let you stay. You're only looking for a place to be born into life, where your power can heal and your love can revive. And I don't know why you chose to be born into me. And it's hard to believe and receive and let you in. Cause I got a heart like Bethlehem and I hide it well. I keep my dirty barns behind my nice hotels. And you see my great facade and you're not impressed. You tell your story in the manger of my weaknesses. For a place to be born into life Where your power can heal And your love can revive And I don't know why you chose To be born into me And it's hard to believe And receive And let you in Cause I got a heart like Bethlehem Nobody knew us And now when they hear our name They think of Jesus That little town of Bethlehem It died that night and was born again So when you're looking for a place To be born into life Where your power can heal and your love can revive And I don't know why you choose To be born into me And it's hard to believe And receive And let you in I'll let you in Cause I got a heart like Bethlehem